Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. As Stuart Bell reported on Global News, here's the headline, we need to get ready. RCMP planning for return of Canadian ISIS members. The RCMP is preparing for the return of at least a dozen Canadians detained in Syria. Amidst the collapse of the so-called Islamic State, a senior law enforcement official has told Global News the capture of suspected Canadian ISIS members and uncertainty over their fate due to planned U.S. troop withdrawal from Syria has prompted the RCMP to ramp up preparations for their possible arrival. We need to get ready in case they come back sooner than what we expected. Deputy Commissioner Jean Michaud who held Ted's the RCMP's federal policing branch, said in an interview on Wednesday. Uh, yeah, we, we should be ready. We should be ready. Other developments. The U.S. government is on the hunt for Osama bin Laden's youngest son, who's had his Saudi Arabian citizenship withdrawn. And there's a $1 million reward for information that, quote, brings him to justice... That's ongoing, and I was reading uh, a report, a story, by Abigail Esman, a lull in terrorism masks deepening jihadist threat, Dutch report warns. Now, uh, Ms. Esman is an international authority on terrorism. She's the author of Radical State, How Jihad is Winning Over Democracy in the West, and uh, she joins us on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. She wrote the piece for investigativeproject.org. Ms. Hesman, thank you very much for taking the time. And uh, let's begin, please, by asking you to explain to us. I mean, I'm just reading your first sentence here. It's been a relatively quiet year for jihadists in the West with only six attacks in Europe compared to 20 in 2017. This combined with the military fall of the Islamic State has led politicians and pundits alike to declare a victory of a sort. ISIS is defeated, they announce, or condemn concerns about potential Islamist terrorist attacks as racist Islamophobia. What's the truth of what's going on? Um, well, first, thank you very much for asking me to come and speak on your show. Um, the truth about what's going on, you know, the, the, the analogy occurred to me today that, you know, it, it's like at the end of World War II if they had said, you know, we've we've conquered Nazism. I mean, ISIS is based on an ideology, and that ideology exists not only in the the circle of people who joined and continue to sympathize with ISIS, but all the other Islamist terrorist groups. Al Qaeda is the other one that people know the best, and uh, you you mentioned um, the son of Osama bin Laden, for instance. Um, and Al Qaeda is in fact resurgent now. ISIS continues as an ideology. ISIS continues to have many, many followers. Um, to say that, you know, that mission accomplished, as if we have somehow conquered um, Islamist terrorism, is 
foolhardy. Um, we haven't done anything of the kind, and in fact, there are networks that are expanding um, throughout Europe, both people who have returned and remain in touch with each other, um, people who continually have been um, radicalized by ISIS on social media. Um, all that continues to exist, and and that doesn't go away just because the, the territory has has been lost. You uh, you spoke with a with a former uh, terrorist or believer in extremism who echoed the warning that the uh, the the Netherlands report issued. So can you tell us about that? What is this individual? Who is he? What has he said? And uh, and and what makes him credible? He's an extraordinary, uh, extraordinary person. He was, in fact, yeah, he was a member of the terrorist group that was responsible for killing Theo van Gogh in uh, 2004 um, for the film he made with Ayan Hirsi Ali. Um, and he was, in fact, one of the more radical and violent members of the group. Um, he then was um, convicted of terrorist activity and sent to prison where he began reading philosophy. And he read Heidegger, and he read Nietzsche, and he read Plato, and he, the way he describes it is that he suddenly found new answers for all the questions that he had always asked, and that for him had always been answered by, you know, religion as he, as he understood it. Um, and he suddenly had new answers, and it made him curious, and it made him think and read and learn, and he got his bachelor's in, in philosophy while he was in prison. Um, he is now an apostate. He's no longer a Muslim. He is, um, in fact, pro-Israel. He is, um, he's half American. It's, it's worth pointing that out. His father was American. His mother was Dutch. Um, but he grew up in the Netherlands. And he has, you know, there are, you hear these stories. There are a few of them. There are um, people like Majid Nawaz in, in the U.K. who... You know the 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 lights come on, and um, he's now busy in in counterterrorism, and he certainly has the ability to understand the mentality of terrorists and the mentality of um, those people who really want to do harm. Mm -hmm. So we have politicians in, uh, in in various parts of the world doing what they tend to do, and that is be self congratulatory mm -hmm. and declaring victory when there's no victory to be declared. You know, like mm -hmm. mission accomplished, the banner hanging on the warship, when right. mission was any anything but accomplished. Uh, we have the uh, RCMP uh, warning in, in Canada. We need to get ready, uh, is the quote, for the return of Canadian ISIS members. That's the situation also from what I read your, in, your, in your article. Uh, that's also the reality in Europe. So uh, how... How, how much of a concern do you have with your expertise in terrorism and terrorist activities? What, how much of a concern do you have about the returning um, members of ISIS and other terrorist groups? It's a huge concern. Um, and for Europe, certainly more than for Canada or the U.S., because Europe is right, they're right here. You know, a lot of the, a much higher number of foreign fighters came from Europe than from North America, um, simply because of proximity. Um, and it is a very real concern. We've already seen what happens with, you know, there have been returnees who were responsible for some of the Paris attacks, some of the Belgian attacks. Um, the, their influence 
even the, the children, and this is where it becomes scary, the children over the age of nine are already sent into training camps in the Islamic State, or the boys are. So you, if you have a 10 or 11 or 12-year-old boy, he's already been trained to be a terrorist. He's already been trained to hate the West. He's been trained to to want to kill those people who live in the country that he came from, and he's been taught how. So what do you do with these children? Do you leave them in a war zone to fend for themselves? Do you bring them back? Is it, To me, this is the heart of the humanitarian crisis that this has created. Um, in terms of the adults, Frankly, I don't really care what happens to them. Um, they can stay there. They can come here. Um, but I, I, what worries me in terms of that is that the European justice system is rather, you know, lenient. And putting someone in prison for five years um, after they've committed the kinds of atrocities that were committed in the Islamic State is simply not good enough. So I clearly hear you saying you're not expecting them to return to their countries of origin and settle into a quiet life. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I, I don't. I mean, this is one of the things also that, that Jason Malters, the former terrorist that I spoke to, talked about, is that you know, you, people talk about, well, they'll come in, they'll come back, they'll go to prison, they'll go through de-radicalization pro- programs, and then they'll be fine. It doesn't work like that. People don't just de-radicalize. It's like like an alcoholic you know you can send them into rehab but until they really from within want to get better they just don't get better there's no reason to believe there's no evidence that de-radicalization programs actually work okay Ms. Esmond thank you very much for taking the time the book is Radical State How Jihad is Winning Over Democracy in the West thanks again good talking to you okay thank you bye bye Abigail Essman and her column is uh, part of the investigative project on terrorism. You'll find it on their webpage. When we come back, Scott Newark will join us on this very same issue. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Scott York joins me on the program. As you know, former Alberta prosecutor, and he was the executive officer of the Canadian Police Association, also director of operations for the investigative project on terrorism and adjunct professor at Simon Fraser University. Scott, when you hear the uh, the deputy uh, director of the RCMP, deputy commissioner, saying that we need to get ready, why aren't we ready? Yeah, it's uh, something, frankly, that has concerned me for quite a while. Um, and I'm familiar with this individual in particular. Uh, he is, in my opinion, unfortunately, very much uh, part of the, uh, shall we say, risk-averse culture that dominates the, uh, especially the national enforcement branch of the RCMP. I've, I've written about this for over a year, about how we need to develop a strategy for dealing with uh, jihadis detained abroad. It, it got more attention as uh, Stuart Bell as you mentioned, and others from Global News went over and did that just fantastic reporting 
you know, where they did what the RCMP, uh, you know, couldn't or wouldn't do, which was to actually interview the Canadian jihadis uh, detained abroad, as well as uh, the brides uh, who are detained. They're not in lockup prisons, but they're in secure facilities. Uh, and, you know, we were just uh, essentially doing nothing. And the RCMP, uh, he, uh, Deputy Commissioner Michaud, testified to the same committee I did on uh, C-59, the anti-terrorism legislation, and he made basically, you know, the point that, well, you know, um, you know, once uh, they get arrested and we know about it overseas, well, then, you know, we sort of pay attention, and when they come back, then we're going to start, you know, our work seeing about if we can put together a case, which is pretty much what he said in his uh, latest uh, interview. The good news about it is, I think, that they have, as uh, frankly I recommend it as well too, so I'm glad to see it, they've actually now included the uh, Public Prosecution Office uh, in their uh, team, so they're starting to put together what's going to be necessary as to how we're going to deal with these people. But a proactive effort is much more needed on a case-by-case Scott, what really startles people and what gets people's attention, and they ask the question, how can an entire country not be ready for couple of dozen individuals and deal with them because they fundamentally, first of all, they broke criminal law when they left the country to join a terrorist group. Some of them did. So we we have options. We have... Yeah, but you've got to have the evidence to be able to process... No, I understand. I understand. But how can a country not be properly prepared? Now, you also, you you sent me information on, uh, uh, is it Pamir Hakimzada? Is that the name of the the individual? I have sent you information. And his case... So uh, this guy was involved in a number of issues. He was uh, alongside, maybe not physically, but similar to Kevin Omar Mohammed. And, and for two years, the information was kept from Canadians. It's, when you come into the story halfway through, for the average person, it's confusing and it's disturbing. But you see, that, that's exactly the point. It's why when you have a challenging situation like this, you have to get proactive. And even more so, uh, all of these people are being held by the Kurds in um, uh, eastern um, Syria. And the Kurds do not have the full capacity to be able to do that. They're literally consolidating their own uh, territorial control because they're under attack from Turkey. Um, as the Americans are leaving, that the, the Kurds have been their primary allies, and they don't want these people anymore. Okay, and what we don't want to have happen is just have them release them. Even worse, release them to the uh, Turks, who were the ones that originally uh, supported these guys coming into Syria. And so we've got to find a way, and you know, um, frankly, proactively, how are we going to deal with the quote jihadi brides who were detained abroad and the kids? Can we build the case on these? individuals who we uh, actually were committing terrorist crimes uh, I recommended strategies of getting them to be prosecuted in the uh, country in uh, for example in uh, by the Kurds uh, because we could then invoke the International Transfer of Offenders Act and bring them back here and not have to take them to trial if that isn't possible then let's get over there get the information including by the way you know hook them up with legal aid so they understand it's in their best interest to cooperate if they want to come back to Canada but it's been very frustrating to see what I would call this risk-averse uh, approach uh, by the, uh, the RCMP in particular, which leads these efforts. So hopefully this is a sign that uh, 
you know, the message is finally getting through, and we're going to start to do something. So do these guys worry you? I mean, I just talked to yes. Abigail Esman, and I said, we can't expect, based on what she said, obviously, we can't expect them to come back and just go into a quiet life and start growing flowers. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, they do worry you, huh? Um, but you know what? I want to stress on a case-by-case basis, okay? And if you think about it, I mean, that is the way we deal with things even generally in criminal law. But you need to recognize the, um, uh, the motivation of this and the fact that it's not simply going to go away just because they necessarily go away. But it's also possible that people will say, you know what, I've made a mistake in doing this. But uh, not wanting to become engaged so that somebody might say to you, well, wait a minute, why didn't you do this or why can't you get a prosecution and just hope that nobody ever discovers that they're here. You know, I think you're absolutely correct that Canadians are really, really frustrated when they read about these cases where these people have come back and nothing's been done. The other th- point I would just add to what we need to do with these kids as well, too, is if these people do come, the women do come back here, we need to make sure that those children are not being indoctrinated into the death cult of extremist Islam. Okay, uh, like what happened with the Cotter kids. And we also should have, in my opinion, as part of the process, um, seeing if whether or not, for example, they want to go live in an Islamic country. One of the women was quoted as saying, you know, I'm going to follow Sharia law wherever I am. Well, maybe we could work with the uh, Organization for Islamic Cooperation of all the Islamic countries in the world and see if, you know, like Indonesia or Pakistan would be willing to take these people as well, too. But you got to do something. you got to be proactive and not just risk-averse. No, and, and wait and say, and wring your hands. You can't do that. It's, yeah. it's not the way. Scott, thank you for the time. Always. All right, Roy. Scott Newark. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.